Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Great win. Fun win. Cavs were down by 10. They came back, made it work. Good for them. And I, I think last night's game, Dan, it, it, we can overanalyze all kinds of different stuff about this team right now. I, I think last night was a another example of if you can use a lot of these guys, J.B. Bickerstaff, use a lot of guys, it might make you better all the way around. You know, unlikely outcome. Okay, let's let's be honest. Struess isn't going to hit four three-pointers down the stretch like that in the final four minutes of a game, make it five when he hit the game winner. I mean, unlikely outcome. However, the only guy last night who played more than 33 minutes was Donovan Mitchell with 38. Struess was at 26 minutes, Mobley at 28. Darius Garland played 32. Jared Allen played 33. And you had three guys off the bench play 21 minutes or more. I like that. I think this team is better when it does that. It's not that I don't want somebody on the floor. It's not that I think you're better without somebody. I think you're better with everybody. And, and I think that that is the best way for this team to reach its maximum potential. I agree with everything that you said but I got to do this first. One more time for the kids in the back. Two seconds left. The Cavs are out of timeouts. They have to go 94 feet. Struess from midcourt. Oh! Do you believe this? Oh! Max Struess from midcourt has won it for the Cavaliers. Audio courtesy of Bally Sports Ohio. If we could find a way to mainline that just right into my brown season morphine drip, I would appreciate it. <laughs> Everything you said is 100% exactly how I feel for the regular season. The only thing that I would look at with this team, and, and I know fans are going to scream, I want to go 82-0. and 0. The only thing that I look at with the team in the minutes and the way that it looks is I really wish you could not play Donovan Mitchell 38 minutes a night, 40 minutes a night. I, I, would I agree wish that. that that number could get turned down a little. But, damn, you're winning games. So, like, as much as I want to sit here and, and try to complain about all these different 
things that are taking place. You're winning games with Donovan Mitchell playing that amount. He seems fresh. It's not like the scoring has been dipping. It's not like the shooting has been dipping. It's not like the shot's flattening out because he's being worked too much or anything like that. So I can't really come at it. The only thing that I take from this game is the the Max Drews four three what is it four three pointers he hit in a minute and eight. Is that what you said? Minute said all seven. Time? Minute and seven. Okay. You do the math. It's right there. Not that level of shot making. I mean, God, if he could do that, that would be unbelievable. But if they could find a Dan, way, Danny shoots thirty three percent on threes. He, he, I think he's better than that. I do too. But let's just be fair about it. His three point shooting has not been. Well, it's up to thirty four, I guess, after last night. It's not been what they wanted it to be. But I like his game, and I like his scrappiness, and I like his three point shooting. Right. It's he, he's just not been as accurate on that as they would like him to be. Is that and, fair? And maybe this is the jumping stone. Maybe. You know, maybe this this gets him going. Maybe this locks the foreman or something like that to get it so that he can play at that level. Because that win yesterday hammered home a lot of different things. One of them being they can hang and they can mold into whatever they need to be to stop the team in front of them. In the first matchup with the Mavs, they won that game because they – they didn't have any of the – I think they didn't even have Mitchell in that game. The only starter that they had in that game was Jared Allen. And if I'm wrong, hit me on the X. And they moved Jared Allen onto Luka Doncic at the end of that game. And this is the first game that they played, which I think was before Christmas. And Jared Allen hung with Luka Doncic and really made him work for it. And at the tail end of that game, when they needed it most, they put Jared Allen on Luka Doncic. And what that tells me is not, okay, fine, you could put your center on somebody and that's good. It means they're malleable. It means that they're willing to think outside the box, get away from positions, and really make the best matchup for the team that's in front of them. They realized that they couldn't have Allen and Mobley on the floor at the same time of that game. So Mobley checked out with probably about... You mean last night? Yes, with probably about eight minutes left in that game. And it was just Allen who was out there, and they had him on Doncic. And all that told me, as much as everybody wants to use that as a jumping point of contention of, oh, they can't play both, they can't, you know, there's too much overlap, there's all that stuff. What that told me is that this team can become what it needs to become to get wins, which only makes the playoff case stronger. Because if you can evolve and you can change how you play, all of a sudden now you have counter punches. All of a sudden you have what I've been talking about all season with this Cavs team. Do you have the changeup off the fastball? Do you have the curveball off the fastball? Do you have something that if they can shut down what you do best – you can twist and go, oh, yeah, well, how about this now? Do you think that's there? You do. I do. Okay. I'm I'm not convinced that that's completely there, but I think when, when they aren't locked into specific thoughts on guys, I think it can be there. And we saw that when Evan Mobley and Darius Garland were out and they were very successful and Donovan Mitchell was running the show and orchestrating everything. And everybody else was getting involved. You had skill sets that weren't on display. For instance, Sam Sam Merrill's a non-factor now. Sam's just not getting minutes. And and okay, you're only going to play so many guys. He didn't play last night. I love that guy's shot. Me too. You know that that guy can, that guy can help you. But last night JB played only nine guys. But again, he played eight guys at least 21 minutes. I like that. And and I 
I've always been a big believer in team play over one or two stars. You want you want the, the flip side. Look at the team that they beat last night. Dallas is really good, mm-hmm. but Dallas is Kyrie and Luca. It's your turn, my turn, basketball. Yeah, and that can work. Let, let's be honest, that can work. It can especially work in the playoffs. Can doesn't always. Look at the Cavs last year as an example of that. Heck, you know, winning a title in Cleveland almost. Well, but that's a different guy. Mm-hmm. That was a bit of your turn, my turn, basketball. It did win you a title. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that was LeBron James. Exactly. That's a different story. Yes, it is. Last night, 75 points for Kyrie and Luka, yet they lost to a team last night. And and to me, that's that's the big difference. Um, they had P.J. Washington, who's new to them, score 11. Nobody else scored in double figures. Okay, that that's going to happen. And they had very little productivity off their bench. That's okay. And you can win that way with playing one or two guys and making them the guy. When it comes to what the Cavs are doing, I think it in this this is not a knock on Darius Garland. Okay, it's gonna sound like it. Donovan Mitchell's clearly the guy, but he can orchestrate like nobody's business. And if you force feed minutes to anybody else, whether it's Darius or in the right wrong matchup, Evan Mobley. Max Struess, Karras, I, I think all of these guys, other than Donovan, need to make sure they check their egos at the door. And what do we have to do as a unit to win this game tonight? Because I think they, I think they have that kind. And we, we only saw it, I think, after Mobley and Garland went out. I think they have that kind of, of ability to morph into what you're talking about. I, I really do. But. I, JB can't be locked into, hey, we've got to get fill-in-the-blank is 35, mm-hmm. 35 minutes, is 36 minutes. We have to get him his 18 shots. Right. He can't do that. Darius last night had a tough one. Eight points. He was 2 of 10 shooting. He, All right, if he doesn't have it, guess what? Sit down. He had a rough evening. Sit down. He Especially on the defensive end. Kyrie, Kyrie cooked him, him a couple of times. Ate him up. And he's Kyrie Irving. That's what he does. We've watched it here in Cleveland for... Know, however many years he was here, we've seen Kyrie Irving and what he could do to guys. But, like, I think what you're starting to see from this team, and, and look, last night's win was fantastic. It's not a formula. You know, hitting that many threes at that amount of time and going, hold, you know, hold my beer, I'm going to hit a 60-footer to call it a day. Like, that's not, that's not no, the way well, you that, want yeah, that, to that, win. That is, but it's awesome, and it's a great win, and it's, and it's a great team builder, and it's a memory that everybody is going to have of Max Struess hitting that shot inside of that building against Luka Doncic when we all thought that they were dead to rights. Daniel, they had no business winning that game. But you're down by 10 with four minutes, and you have a guy hit four threes in a minute seven. You, you had no – and then hit a fifth one to win the game from 60 feet. You right. had no business winning that game. But you did. But we have seen with this team how they can win with high, high screen and roll. We've seen that over and over again. That has been the bread and butter of this team for as long as we can all remember to the point that it drove us all nuts in the playoffs last year because they didn't have anything off of it. You've seen a second style step up, which is spread the floor, run a little bit of off-ball action to get some guys like a Max Struess, to get a George Niang, to get Sam Merrill when he is out there. Hopefully they can figure out how to do it with Darius Garland and Darius can get that shot locked in the way that he did before he had the jaw injury. But you can see that there are some other things that are taking place here that now there's an evolution. And if they can play exactly what you're talking about, 
check your ego at the door. Realize Evan, you know, Evan Mobley realizing like, hey, this isn't the best matchup for you tonight to play the two big lineup. You're getting 28. Yeah, but I'm less, sorry, it's but, just reality. Except for here's here's the thing, and and this is this is a pat on the back. In 28 minutes, he had 12 points, nine rebounds, seven assists. Do what you do, what you do, and then sit down when the coach takes you out. But when you're out there, you know don't don't pout, just play hard. And mm-hmm. Evan did a great job of that last night. So did Jared Allen. Absolutely, 19 points, nine rebounds. I mean, absolutely, that's, you're getting contributions from those big guys, which I think is absolutely essential come playoff time. If you have to rely on Donovan Mitchell to win the playoff series by himself, it's unfair to him, first of all. And second of all, it's probably not going to happen. It's just it's just the way it is. And last year, I think you relied on two guys trying to win the playoff series for you, and that didn't happen. I think they're learning that this is the way that we need to play basketball. This is the way we can play basketball. And it's probably how we're at our absolute best. Yeah. They, having the best players on your team on the floor together is typically the way you want to win games, which I know falls under the no S Yeah, I was going to say that was pretty enlightening. But we have all screamed, Cavs fans all year have screamed the fits off, the fits off, the fits off. You can't play Garland and, M- and Mitchell together. There's too much overlap. You can't no, play you, Mobley you and can. Allen together. There's too much overlap. Yeah, I, I think you can do all that, but what – I think where you're going, as I cut you off, sorry about that. I don't care. Is that, okay, but you have to be adaptable. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can play them together, and they need to make that work, and you can play them apart, and guys need to just buy into that. Exactly. And hopefully we are starting to see more and more of that as everybody is coming back and minutes restrictions begin to get lifted, and we start to see how this team can look as it gets closer to playoff time. Because while I love seeing that shot go in, and I, I'm here for, you know, mainline that call from everybody who is involved. I'll take them from every single angle, you know, including the Dallas angle. I'll take all of them. You know, let's let's hear those until we're blue in the face. If you can figure out different ways to win these games, that only makes you better when the playoffs come along. And it only makes it so that when a team goes up against you, they can't just remove one thing and completely topple the whole tower. It was more than just a memorable win. I, I think it might have been close to an epiphany moment for the team because other guys stepped up, did big things, and showed that team over superstars, I think, is personally the best way for this bunch of basketball players to go. 216-474-0092. You agree? It's Baskin and Phelps right here on The Fan. And lucky enough, that's that's nicely put. He he was he was smoking. <laughs> that's it, it's it's fascinating to watch an NBA player when he gets into that mode. And, and you know the guys are, guys are good enough; they're going to make shots all the time. But clearly, in that minute and seven stretch when he made four, to me that was more impressive than than the sixty footer. The sixty footer wins a game and everything else. There's there's skill involved in that. There's also a bit of luck. However, man, when when you drain four straight threes, when you're down ten in a minute seven, man, you're cooking. You got it going. And Max Struess did last night, and it led to a Cavaliers win. Right now, they're sitting, uh, sitting pretty in in the Eastern Conference. They're in second place. They're a game ahead of Milwaukee. 
Um, Boston's going to be really tough for anybody to catch. And if the Cavs can just kind of keep going the way they are, chances are, Dan, I don't think that they'll drop any further than three and be a three seed. The Knicks are 11 and a half behind the Celtics. Cavs are uh, seven and a half. So the Cavs have a four-game lead over New York right now. I think you're right. Milwaukee's starting to figure it out. It seems like the Doc Rivers effect is beginning to take place. They're playing a lot better ball now than they were two weeks ago before the All-Star break. And Giannis is singing his praises. It's starting to look better. Mm -hmm. It's starting to look more cohesive than what it was before where it was super clunky. So that's starting to help the cause. We'll see what the Milwaukee Bucks can do there. The Celtics are excellent. The Knicks have been up and down. The ups have been outstanding. The downs have been slightly slightly shaky to, for certain. So before we get too far into Max Struess and before we get too far into all that stuff, we've played the long John Michael cut. We've played the short John Michael cut from Bally Sports Ohio. One more just to, just to add to that, that cup of coffee, that main lining this morning. Jeff Thomas worked hard for this. Here is the Bally Sports Southwest call of the Max Struess shot. Six seconds, five seconds, underneath, Washington, 2.6 to go. They're out of timeouts. Dallas leads by one. Mobley, Struess, Haheem. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Max Struess, I don't believe it. Max Struess hit it from 60 feet. Absolute heartbreak. I'll take my uh, shot in Freida with a little cream and sugar, if you don't mind. Kevin's in Cuyahoga Falls. Kevin. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Outstanding. Kevin Stefanski oh speaking today, Kevin. Oh, okay, great. That's fantastic. But listen, last night was so much fun. It was such a blast. Were you and at the I game, guess, Kevin? Yeah, me and my oh, son sweet. were. sweet. Um, okay, give me the scene. Oh, oh, my God, it was incredible. Well, Jeff was right. Five minutes left, my son and I look at each other. My son goes, well, Donich is just too much for us. And, you know, it is what it is. And he's starting to talk about how great Donich is and the greatest player. And he tells me he should be the MVP and all this stuff. And then it started to happen. And Struz hit shot after shot. after, And the electricity, you could just feel it. With, uh, with three minutes left, you start feeling it in the building. People started getting up, and they were starting to clap. They were getting into it. It was phenomenal. I mean, it, it felt like a playoff game that we've been to before. So that's kind of what it felt like in those last couple of minutes. And then when Struz hit that last shot, the place went bananas. Everyone was up off their seats. Everyone was clapping, cheering, high-fiving each other. It was so much fun. I can't even begin to tell you how great those last couple of minutes were. It was just so much fun to be there. Even my son, we were high-fiving each other, and then nobody wanted to leave. People were still standing there. You know, usually it's a it's a, it's a a parade to the exit. Not last night. I mean, people were still standing there. They were cheering. They were clapping. Oh, my gosh. It was just a blast <laughs> to be there last night. That's so cool. And that's one of those games you're going to remember, isn't it, Kevin? Oh, for the rest of our lives. We'll talk about it forever. But, hey, real quick on the Cavs. I, 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 you know, Jeff, I've been screaming three-point shooter. We've needed it for years. And I'm uh, not just last night. You know, I've been saving it for a while. I thought Max was a great uh, addition to our team. He's exactly what we needed. In my opinion, we need Eminem out there at all times. If Max is out there, Merrill needs to be out there. In my opinion, if Okoro loses some minutes to make that happen, I'm fine with that. Again, last night, when Okoro was at the three-point line, Dallas didn't even DM up. They don't respect his shot. And I just think we need that three-point shooter to spread the court out to make that wide open, you know, create lanes for Donovan, for Garland, for, for Levert. It just makes our team overall better when we have that. So great win. Awesome in the books. Love it. I'm hoping for more t- more in the future, fellas. All right, Kevin. Thank you very much. It's interesting that, that Kevin say, says that about uh, about Isaac Okoro. Isaac's 
improve that three-point shot, and uh, I think he's gotten better at it. I think he has to. And I'm with you, Kevin. I I don't want to see him taking that shot, and that might that might just be me. He was two of four on threes last night, and he's he's been better than Max Struess on threes this year. Percentage-wise, he's at 39%, but I don't know that teams respect that shot, and, and maybe they should. I, I just, again, this is where guys are going to have to check the ego at the door, and for the betterment of the team, somebody's they might have to back off on some of the minutes on some of these guys. But the, the thing is, oh, you're, hang going, on, Bill. you're going to keep saying that, and you're going to keep going, I don't trust the shot. Well, you know, I don't know. These Until he gets into a playoff game and hits three or four threes where he's open, where they collapse the yeah. defense and they say that, and he hits three or four of them. We're going to keep saying the same exact thing until the situation arises. Bills and Parma. Hey, Bill. Hey, you guys. Great program. Um, you know, in real estate, they, they always say location, location, location. With the Cavs, the discussion should be Mobley, Mobley, Mobley. All this other stuff is window dressing. I guarantee you when the general managers of the other teams look in the box score every morning to see where the Cavs are and where to be, be scared of them in the future – they look at Mobley statistics. They don't care about Garland. They don't care about us getting another three. They're looking at, is this guy progressing? And the answer is, no, he's not. And it's, it's a real shame because that is as far as we are going to go, is, is as far as this kid is doing it. And he's still, right now, not progressing at the level he should. And I'll give you another example. Yeah, Bill, let me ask you, though. Yeah. Is it because he's not progressing in, in your mind, or is it because he's not being put in the position to progress? Well, you know, I think it's a great question, Jeff. I think for a person to progress, you have to, you, the, the latter is what has to happen. You put in, you give him the ball, you give him the ball, you give him the ball. And then, he, you know, what's it feel like to get 20 points for three games? 30 points a game. I don't think he's ever had a 30-point game. I think he's and had so, one, if I'm not yes, mistaken. I'm not, but I'm, I don't hold me to that. Yeah. But it, so I guarantee you that's all they look at. They don't look at Garland. Garland is a fancy Cadillac that there's a little bit of something wrong with the engine, and it's not going to change. And, and you need the bulldozer down in there that's going to be doing stuff. Lastly, real quick, with the Celtics, Celtics aren't going to win, and I'll tell you why. I watched them five times this year, and Brown is a loser. And I'll tell you why. You throw him the ball, you might as well take a basketball and throw it into the Grand Canyon. It ain't going to go anywhere else. And last night, he finally had an assist through the whole game at the very, very, very end of the game. And I, I tell you, you can't win with a guy like that. I'm, and, and that's just my opinion. Mix him with Tatum play. and Porzingis. I think they're going to be really tough Andrew to beat. Andrew Holiday. Though. And Drew Holiday's been like, great. I know, but I'll tell you what, Brown, for some reason, that selfishness and that inability to look at the other teammates, it it, it gets you. It, it, I don't know. I think it always puts, uh, puts them behind the eight ball. Thanks, hey, Bill, uh, Mobley yeah. had 33 against Indy in uh, October. But you'll love this, Bill, and this, this backs up what we were just talking about. Number of games this year where Evan Mobley has had more than 15 shots. Take a guess. Four. Two. <laughs> Jeff, thank you. I, I like statistics. I know you do too. I, I mean, do. He should, be, he should be having 20 about every third game. Bill, thank you very much. Now, 
that kind of goes against what we were talking about, about team play and everything else. I've thought all along, if you've listened to our show, I think he's the key to the whole thing. I, Mobley, to me, can be a difference maker. But I think you have to allow him to do that. And you don't need to shoot 20 times a game. You, you don't. But only twice this year has he taken more than 15 shots in a game. All right. I think that's, I think that's really interesting. All right, it's time. Jeff, you and I, I think, banged the gong, or banged the table, I should say, more than anything, louder than anybody else when it came to Evan Mobley. We watched a whole bunch of film. The two of us I, came I back. Think he, I think he's an outstanding young basketball And we both player. said Mobley. We both said Mobley should be the pick. That's the guy that you want. If the My next guy was Jonathan if, Kaminga. If they're going to do you the favor, and you look really good for that one. My next guy was Scotty Barnes. And I look fine. He's phenomenal. I look fine. I, I like Scotty Barnes. I would still take Scotty Barnes. But that's not what we're here for. So I now call to order this meeting of the Evan Mobley Stockholders Fan Club. Uh-oh. Jeff? We selling any stock? No, I'm not either. The guy, Dan, the guy's playing upper twenties. Now remember, he, he came back from a knee injury, and they're kind of keeping an eye on that. Um, in in the month of February, since he's been back, he's played twenty, just under twenty eight minutes a game, and he's scoring fifteen point nine points, nine point seven rebounds, and three three assists per game. That's great. Not to mention playing outstanding help defense is an absolute menace anytime he's near the rim and his limbs and everything else seems to always be in the right place. Well, not always, but most of the time in the right place at the right time. Show me show me anybody in the NBA, and I'm sure there's somebody, I'd love to know who it is, who in the month of February didn't play even 28 minutes a game and is averaging 15.9 and 9.7 rebounds. That's that's really good. It is. Abner's on West Boulevard. What's up, Abner? All right, Abner. Listen, listen, man, I, I just want to say something about Kyrie, okay? Kyrie is one of the greatest point guards ever played the game of basketball, and I don't understand how some Cavs fans hate him. He's terrific. He got a he pretty good a reception season. last night, Abner. Yeah, he got a, got know, a video, know, got a standing Oh. No, 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 no. Listen, brother, I know, I know, but I got some boneheaded friends that called <laughs> him one of the biggest traders in Cleveland basketball history. Uh, him and LeBron. Are you kidding me? Show some respect. It's like calling Baker a traitor. Show some respect. The man won you a ring, and shut up. Quit crying. That's all I wanted to say, man. And shout out Luca. I think Luca will finish as the best point guard ever. Maybe, and this is this is a hot take. Maybe we'll even finish as the goat of basketball. Okay? Goodness gracious. All Abner, right, man. Thank I you love very your much. Show. All right, man. Bye bye. Appreciate it. Uh, Kyrie's terrific. Yeah. I wish he. I wish he had been a little more. Long-range thinking when he kind of forced his way out of Cleveland. Kyrie didn't – I don't think it benefited him, actually, and I think it would have benefited him if he had stayed here and he had continued to be a teammate with LeBron James. Although if LeBron was leaving, maybe Kyrie would have had what he wanted here after all. Kyrie will be one of the most discussed about NBA players in the history of the league because the rise was so unbelievable. He hit the shot. He won the title. He demanded his way out. And from that moment, it just got, let's be real honest, folks, it got weird. It got real weird in a hurry. And it went a lot of different directions for a lot of different reasons. And we're not here to break down any of those reasons. But what that career would look like and how we would view him if it didn't get weird in so many different directions is one of the most fascinating things. 
That uh, Brooklyn Nets been... team with him, Harden, and Durant is probably the greatest team that ever was. I think, how did what, that? Yeah, how did that not? Work? Gosh, they played all of eleven games together or something like that. Like it, it's fascinating. The Bostonians with us, sir. Hey, well, how come you guys don't don't talk about my beloved Celtics? They're going all the way this year. That was Bill and Parma they saying blew. they weren't going to win Bostonian. I, I, they're the team to beat. You said you said that the Browns not that good. He is a good ball player. I, I didn't good. say that. That was Bill and Parma, Bostonian. I, I like Jalen Brown. Brown. Yeah, I just all right, Jeff. When he doesn't uh, dribble. What I was going to tell you, we got two championships this year. We got the Boston Bruins. They're going to win the hockey. They blew it last year. They had the best record in hockey last year and blew it. But uh, this year, they'll come back. We'll have two champs in one year like we did Red, before. How about those Red Sox? Well, they're coming back. All right, we'll work on that. Bostonian, <laughs> great to hear from you. Hi to Mrs. Bostonian. All right. See you, buddy. All right. Hi. The man's loyal. Do some do some loyal, digging. Loyal Let, to a fault. Do some digging. Let me know if Trevor Story is going to be healthy this year. Loyal to a fault. Coming up at 115. Expected time for Kevin Stefanski to speak in beautiful Indianapolis at the Scouting Combine. Andrew Barry spoke yesterday. One of the beat reporters locally who was there to listen to it joins us right now on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline from the Beacon Journal, and you can read all of his work at Ohio.com. He is Chris Easterling. Hello, Chris. What's happening, Chris? Uh, hey, how's it going, fellas? We are well. What did uh, you think from Andrew Barry yesterday? Anything enlightening about what, from what he said in particular? I kind of thought some of his Nick Chubb comments were were a little thought-provoking, Chris. I, you know, I kind of stand – I'm kind of still where I was, you know, coming out of the season-ending presser where he um, – you know, I think they want to get a deal done. I, I, I think they truly want to get a deal done where they, you know, an extension or restructuring, something that, you know, they want to do right by the player. But I do think there's an, there's a, you know, they also know that if things go bad, you know, they have that option that, that look, you're, you're only 4 million against the cap. If we cut you, you have no guaranteed money. So I, I think right now it's, it's still sort of a you know feeling out period a little bit, but but I think ultimately they get it done. Uh, it, it just it just makes too much sense. I mean, obviously the the injury concerns are legitimate. We, I mean, we don't know what Nick Chubb's going to look like, but at the same time, I mean, it's Nick Chubb, and and I think they get something done. Chris, it would be a really bad look for the Browns if they just cut Nick Chubb, wouldn't it? Um. Yes. Outside of a vacuum, you know, it, 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 yes, it would be a bad look. But in a vacuum, I can also see the reasons why. Now, I mean, it's a heartless, cold. <laughs> somebody asked, somebody called Andrew Barry yesterday, cold-hearted. Yeah. You know, you know, and I was like, I wouldn't say Andrew Barry's cold-hearted. I, I think he's he knows what he's doing, and part of the business they are in is, you know, it, it's a. It's sort of it's a cutthroat business. It's a difficult business, but I, I still keep going back to. I think I said it before. Uh, you know, maybe not on your show, but another show. It's the it would be the closest thing we've had to Bernie Kosar getting cut if they were to cut Nick Chubb, at least in terms of the reaction uh, amongst the uh, the fan base. So and I think they they understand that as well. You know, they build up the goodwill they built up over the last year going to the playoffs and everything. 
I think they understand how big a how much that would how much of a hit they would take if they if they did cut him. Chris Browns have, according to multiple reports, Browns have renegotiated Denzel Ward's contract to lower the cap hit, bringing them above the, uh, I guess, the Mendoza line, for lack of better terminology. So do you see any more of those coming in the near future? Because it kind of stood out to me when Andrew Barry said in the sidebar session to you guys, it's a possibility when it came to Deshaun Watson's deal. Um, Well, Nick Chubb, I mean, that, that would, you know, technically be a contract restructuring. Um, you know, I, I, I expect them to, to make a couple more moves. Uh, I, you know, they haven't completely ruled out, you know, not restructuring Deshaun and they haven't ruled out restructuring it. And, you know, I, I, it's sort of just, you know, it, you know, we have Andrew there, you know, basically between the podium time and, and the side session, we have him for about 30 minutes and, you know, he asked him asked about various things, and you know, not once did hey, you know, we're our two-time Pro Bowl cornerback. We're about to restructure his contract. So I, I think these things, you know, I would expect two or three of them just to to give him the, as much flexibility as, as possible. Not just once the free agency and, and trade period starts, but you know, a big thing is just the cap rollover stuff. You know, they're they're big on that, and and and, and just making sure that, you know, they, they just have that rainy day fund. They have, they're ready for any possible happening. So I would expect other, you know, you got, you know, maybe they go back to miles. Do they redo Amari's deal? You know, even though it's the last year of his deal, do, you know, I know they've done Wyatt and Joel. So there's places they can go to, to restructure. And I would expect them to do some more. Chris Easterling joining us from the Beacon Journal, Ohio.com. Chris has a real good story on Denzel's whole salary situation that came out this morning. You can go read it at Ohio.com and get some great details on that. Were you, um, I, I was a little taken aback yesterday by the lack of, and maybe I shouldn't be, the lack of backup quarterback talk out of Andrew Barry. It didn't <laughs> seem like anybody asked him about DTR. And I don't think I heard the name Flacco all day. He was asked a couple of times about backup quarterback. Uh, I, I believe, uh, you know, somebody asked, if I can remember. In your side session? Uh, he was asked, yeah, he was asked, uh, you know, and he, he said, we value the, the backup quarterback position. And, uh, you know, he didn't obviously get into specifics. He didn't mention DPR per se. But my guess is they are going to go out and they're going to acquire in some way, a backup, a veteran backup quarterback. I think, I think last year, you know, I, I if it's Jacoby Brissett, is it, is it Joe Flacco? Is it I, who knows? Um, I expect him to get a, a veteran quarterback. And listening to him in the side session, I think they're that that's the the route they're going to take as well. Because not that they they want DTR to continue to develop, but I think they realize that the window is now, and we can't find ourselves kind of with our pants down again like we were last year when when you know that he was kind of thrust into the uh thrust into the job uh you know unexpectedly chris easterling acropeca journal joining us on the northampton chrysler jeep dodge ram hotline well buddy you're going back to the greenbrier so you got that going for hey. you which is nice also the vikings coming in as well for joint practices what are your thoughts on that can't wait <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, um, look, it was, you know, when we first last year, 
heard about them going to the Greenbrier the first time. You know, you know, Kevin talked about it, and I'm going to be fascinated to talk to Kevin today about this because how much are they just trying to replicate what last last year, and how much those guys to a man when you brought up why are you guys able to handle all the adversity that that team handled last year? They kept going back to the Greenbrier. They sure did, and just that whole you know those. those Eight, those, those nine to ten days they were down in West Virginia and just what that time there did to bring – it almost forced you – bring you together, which established a foundation that when you had other guys didn't come into the organization as the, as the season went along and you had to bring guys in, like, you know, because of injuries and whatnot, there was the culture was set and it was set by those guys that you know gone through that time at the Greenbrier. So I think they want to get that again. They're, they want that again, and um, and that's why they're doing it. I, I I think you could tell when they left the Greenbrier last year that all parties, the Haslam's, Andrew Barry, Kevin Stavansky, were really happy with what they got out of it in the moment. Then the season plays out as it is, and I think that just solidified it. As for the joint practices, at least it's not Mankato. It's in Berea. <laughs> oh, that's, that's well put. Chris Easterling joining us. Do you expect contract extensions for Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski before the season I'm, starts, Chris? I, I'm sort of surprised they haven't happened yet, Jeff. I, I sort of – I sort of figured that well they were gonna they were gonna get out of the season and they were gonna get out of the you know the the post playoff loss you know you know coaching staff churn and all that stuff and then once they got clear of that I actually thought it was gonna happen this week you know I just I mean everything I've been told is there's I I've been told that I thought they've been they were on their way at some point. I still expect him to, to to get here. I wonder if there's just some you know some negotiations going you know just a matter of negotiating and you know fine tuning the you know the, the deals. But I expect them by the time next season rolls around to to, to not be you know in the, in the last year of their their contracts, but put on new uh, extended deals. If it were up to you, Chris, would you give them the same length of deal? Like, would you give both of them a three year? Or both of them a four year, or would you stagger it? Um, they work so well together. I think I'd give it the same length. Now, maybe that's the maybe you know not privy to all the back behind the scenes discussion. You know, maybe that's part of the the holdup is is negotiating the lengths and you know. Finding that sweet sweet spot for for both, and you know, and that that's what's holding it up. But I, I still say I they they are the best pairing of the expansion era, no doubt. Period. Full stop. Last year, last year settled it, and it would be foolish to break it up at this point. You can have your quibbles about you know some of the things they've done maybe over the time, but it's it's clear. They have changed this organization for the better, and they should be able to see through it, especially as you're, you know, let's be honest, you're dealing with this unknown as still at the quarterback position. So 
I uh, I would uh, make sure I could keep the the Barry Stefanski uh, team together. You know, you know, kind of in lockstep as as long as possible. Chris, we're going to get into this a little bit later on uh, around the time Kevin speaks. Do you think he's underappreciated here, or do you think he's overrated here? One or the other. Or, or some other thing. I, I just I don't think the guy gets the credit that he deserves for being a pretty good young NFL head coach. I think he's a really good, I, I, and I think he's gotten better. I, I think I, I think part of it is you know, and, and you guys deal with the fan base you know on a daily basis. We get in our minds things, and you know we, and then I myself. We get diff- it's difficult to get out of you know to change our opinion, and I think people have griped about Kevin's play calling for you know how many days has he been on the uh, how many days has he been on the job? I mean, <laughs> I you know it, it's 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 a very tough job, and may have they won as much as they should have won in this four year stretch? Probably not. You know, you can look at twenty one and twenty two and and. And, and and certainly say that, but there is no doubt he's the right coach for the Cleveland Browns. He's a very good coach for the Cleveland Browns, and um, I I think the, but I think part of that is just Kevin himself. I don't think Kevin. I mean, I think Kevin cares because you don't get to that position without having some ego. I mean, it's an ego-driven business, and but at the same time, I think he he. he the awards on the wall, the, the accolades, that sort of thing. He's he doesn't care as much as when I walk in that locker room, when I walk into the meeting room, are the people I'm looking at, the guys that I'm coaching, do they appreciate me? Do they, you know, support me? You know, that sort of thing. Will they go to the wall for me? I think that more than whether he's underappreciated, over uh, overrated, any of that matters most for Kevin Stefanski. Chris, thanks for taking the time while you're out there at the Combine to be with us. We greatly appreciate it. Thanks, Thank buddy. Thank you, man. Hey, thanks a lot. Appreciate being on. Chris Easterling, Beacon Journal, covers the Browns. He's at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. We'll hear Chris asking questions for Kevin Stefanski coming up. one fifteen. Kevin is expected to speak. We'll hear it right here on The Fan. Jeff Thomas just mentioned, and this was has just come out by the NFL Players Association, the report card for the Browns. And we're going to talk about a couple of the things Chris said, but we want to jump into this because this is this is rough. It's actually what this is. There are 32 teams in the league. Composite rankings on the different things. The Browns turn out 23rd in the composite rankings. And the overview says two major issues that the players identified as problems have stayed from last year. And it said, first, the team needs an actual weight room. That's some of the limited space facility situation they have out there in Berea, and I know they're trying to rectify that. It's been situated basically in the indoor practice field, and guys like they deserve big-time fancy weight rooms, and there's just, I believe the issue is just space right now. It's not there. Yeah, it's a serious lack of space when it comes to Berea. I mean, they're they're – they're trying to buy up the land and the houses around the facility. And they have some of them. And I think there is some construction that's going to take place at some point soon. But at least right now, the way that it looked in 2023, 24, that's part of having that land in that spot is you've got all of the houses around there. And I think there's a church in that area. And, and you've, 
you don't have as much space as you'd like. And some businesses in the general vicinity as well. Correct. Second issue plays right off of that, the size of the locker room. It's one of the smallest in the league. Players feel like they don't have an adequate amount of personal space to simply get changed. As somebody who has to hear a boatload of locker room press conferences, I agree. (laughs) If they need more space because, and I'm going to really rip the curtain back here, they need more space because they need to actually have the podium somewhere where you can't have everybody in the background talking and hear them clearly. So (laughs) let's go over some of these grades because it's um, scary, actually. The best grade the Browns received was the strength coach, strength coaches, and they got a B-plus on that. Which... <laughs> and, we applaud B-pluses, trust me. Well, I'll it, show you my report cards growing it, up. It ranked them at 19th in the league. So apparently strength coaches are very popular around the league and they're all doing well and everything's just hunky-dory there. Treatment of families. D minus. Ugh. Food in the cafeteria. C plus. That's 18th. Cafeteria is in an area that's it's just off the front lobby. And back in the day, it used to be a racquetball court, a little basketball court area, and they've incorporated that into some other things. And then it became a press conference area over the years. Mm-hmm. Now it's a cafeteria area. A uh, nutritionist, dietitian, C+. Apparently, these guys took these, this survey either on a bad day or things are really bad out there. Locker room, a D+, 23rd in the league. Training room, C+, 20th in the league. Training staff, B-, 24th in the league. Weight room, a D, 30th out of 32. So, to pause you just real quick, the training staff part of it, I wonder if that's taking the brunt of the injuries that we saw this year. Like maybe guys were Well, but it's they still got a B minus. Right. Like maybe guys were rating this and going like, yeah, you know, they're real good. They've done a nice job this year, but boy, we got a lot of injuries. So I wonder if that maybe plays into it. I good question. I have no idea. I don't know how any of this stuff goes. Nobody asked my opinion of anything. Team travel, D. Twenty third in the league. These these two are interesting. Your head coach was ranked a B minus. In and of itself, that doesn't sound very bad, does it? No. B minus? No. 28th in the league. 27 other coaches received a higher grade from his players. Huh. I find that interesting. And ownership received a B, and a B made it 17th in the NFL. So the, Bra- the Browns ranked no higher in these categories then 17th, and the thing that got the best ranking was the ownership. The thing that got the best grade, um, B-plus strength coaches. Huh. Now, having been around professional sports for a long time, having been around the Indians, the Guardians now, the Cavs, the Browns, these guys don't want for much. <laughs> I'll just tell you that. So if you're giving stuff a D, if you're giving stuff a C plus, really? I, 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 don't, 
I'm not going to bash the guys on this. This is what they think. I can tell you, being around some of this stuff, oh, my God, are they pampered. Well, So, so some of this. But Berea is tight. I'll say that. Yeah. And some of this, of course, the Browns are more of a veteran-laden team that they had been in the past. You you had guys who were in a lot of different places. Like, for well, example. A, they brought in a lot of free agents. Well, right. You had yeah. two defensive linemen who were from Minnesota which I don't know what the grade is in Minnesota for training facilities and that stuff. That thing is a palace. Their facilities are unbelievable. They dumped serious, serious, serious cash. And I'm not talking about the stadium itself. I'm talking about the Minnesota Viking facility. They built that thing like they were Clemson. All right. And they needed it as a recruiting Do you want me to follow that up for you? Please. Minnesota Vikings. Treatment of families. A, first place. Food cafeteria. B plus. Right. Nutritionist A. Locker room A. Training staff A minus or training room A minus. Training staff B. Weight room A. Strength coaches A. Team travel A minus. Head coach A plus. Ownership A plus. If you are bored at work, and I mean really bored, pull up that Minnesota Viking training facility. I mean, they they honestly use that thing the same way that a college would use their facilities to show off why you should come there. Like, that thing is a palace. So I wonder how much that is playing into it where you've got veterans who came from that thing in Minnesota. And I am sure the Dallas Cowboys did an awesome job, and I'm I'm looking at Amari Cooper for that one. I'm sure that facility is very nice because Jerry spares no expense when it comes to all that kind of stuff. And I don't know that for sure. I don't have that information in front of me. Well, I'll get it in a second. But I just called up something that make this one. Browns fans, you want to feel better? Here you go. Ranking 28th in the NFL overall, the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> Treatment of families. F minus. Whoa. How do you get an F minus? Whoa. How do you do that? Maybe they have good food, B minus. Maybe charge full price for a ticket if you're over five. Locker room, F. Training room, D plus. Training staff, C. Weight room, C. Strength coaches, B+. Plus. By God, the players love their strength coach. I love a strength coach. Team travel, D. Head coach, Mike Tomlin, A. Ownership, the Roonies, F. 31st. Kansas City was the same way if you pull that one up. Andy Reid gets an A+. Plus. The Hunt family, F. I'm sorry. You have really rich people paying people to play a sport and they're getting getting a whole lot of money. Can ownership really be that bad? I want to know some I, of the criteria. Know, what, what, do you, what do you want? Yeah, like what do you, I what do you I, want? I want to know the criteria that goes into that one, especially when it comes to ownership and that stuff. Like I could get it if and I don't know this for a fact. If you give an owner an F, I could understand it if the paychecks were laid at any given point because that would be the reason why. And I'm not saying anybody has this. I'm I'm Throwing out hypothesis here of why you would give an owner an F. Maybe a bad interaction on a bad day. Maybe it has something to do with it. Maybe they're not around. Maybe they're around too much. Right. Who, who knows what a player thinks? Because I'm like trying to think of different ways that like ownership would drive you nuts. Let, let me let me just give you one thought. Treatment of families is a big deal to players. Yeah, especially on game day, because you want your families to come to the game. Right. And I understand that. And you want them to be treated well, and then at, at training facilities and everything else. Treatment of families did not score well with almost anybody. 
almost anybody. Arizona, D+, plus, and I'll just hit some of the bad ones. Arizona, D+, plus, Cincinnati Bengals, F-. minus. Bengals also got an F- minus on food and nutritionist and dietitian. Oh, boy. Um, Cowboys got an A- minus for families. That doesn't surprise me. Uh, D plus for Kansas City for treatment of families. D minus for the Jags. F for the Chargers. A minus for the Dolphins. A for the Vikings, as we mentioned. New England Patriots, treatment of families. F minus. F minus for the Steelers. F for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. F minus for the Washington Commanders. I mean, the commanders are going to be on the bottom of everything. That stadium is falling apart, and Dan Snyder didn't invest a dime in them for Lord knows how long, plus yeah. all the lawsuits. You know, it, when all of the things that were taking place wow. inside of the Washington Commanders facility are there, it's very hard to rank anything involving that facility above an F. Guess what Bengals ownership received? I'm going to go F. C+. Plus. Well, good for them. How about that? Yeah, good for them. Yeah, treatment of families, F-, minus, food, F-, minus, nutritionist, F-. minus. But the ownership gets a C plus. Isn't the ownership ultimately responsible for the treatment of families and the food in the cafeteria? Uh, uh I, I I don't know either. Jeff, I'm not. I have no idea. I don't I, know. This either. whole thing. I I would love if there was some kind of a like. Okay, here's what you're rating them on to get those, or if it's just a general. Hey, how do you feel about your owner? You know, and it could be any time. Like the owner could have told you you can't park your car there, or your your truck is too big for the parking spot. And so that day, you're immediately like, "F, he sucks. He's awful. He's making me move my car." Like it could it could easily be something that silly. So who knows? Yeah, you never know about that. Roman is in Canton. Roman, what's happening, Roman? Hey, fellas, how we doing? Great, we're doing well. Good, good. Just wanted to uh, chime in on this. Uh, I got two theories. Um, one of which is that. Do you think there's some sort of um, understanding between the, the coaches, the uh, owners, and the players that, hey, kind of be brutally honest about all these questions so I have something to take to the city of Cleveland in this whole process of getting a new stadium? Um, that's one. I just want to hear your thoughts on that. And then two, is there some sort of correlation between big market cities and their grades compared to low or mid-market cities and their grades. You know, because obviously Minnesota might be an outlier because they put all this money into their facility recently, but are mid- to low-market teams or organizations looking at this and saying, hey, you know, if we can put a little pressure on the place or the city that we're in, uh, because of these low grades, maybe they'll allow some more funding for new facilities and new um, opportunities. Interesting thought, Roman. And I'll yeah. be honest, we just got our hands on this and haven't had a chance to dig into it that much. But I, I think it's really interesting. And so, the, the NFL PA wants it done, so there it is. So the Chargers are 30th in this. I'm, I'm clicking what I could find as the larger market teams. Uh, the Rams are 20th. And, of course, they share a facility and – we, we all know how all that stuff goes. So I don't know if it's 100% like, hey, the teams in larger markets are in better shape than the teams with smaller markets. Like, I don't know if that's the case. I think some of it is the age of these, the layout of these. And again, I don't know. I don't know what the criteria is behind all of this stuff. Like, you know, how do you, if you're a, a, on a rookie contract and all you know is what you've seen inside of your facility, and talking to veterans, 
do you really have the backing to sit back and go, oh my gosh, this ownership group is terrible compared to X? You know, or oh my gosh, these facilities aren't where they need to be. And if you are a rookie, maybe you're ranking them lower because you're coming out of Alabama, LSU, USC, these um, Ohio State. Where if you've ever seen any of these, you're like, holy crud, these are palaces. It's silly. I mean, the Woody is nicer than what the Browns are using. It's silly. Uh, Interesting stuff. And you can go to NFLPA.com and take a look at that. I I just think it's fascinating. Uh, We just went over the NFLPA player rankings of their teams. And in some cases, you might think, well, that's great. Good for them. And as I mentioned to Dan, the Minnesota Vikings rated very highly on, on everything and good for the Minnesota Vikings. Then again, you have to convince players that Minnesota in the wintertime is a great place to be. <laughs> it's, a, it's a heck of a sell. It's, well, it definitely is. When your entire city is known for the fact that it has catwalks connecting everything so you together don't have to so walk you don't outside. have to go outside, yeah, that yeah. kind of tells you what you Which need to know. Which they do. It's really cool. It is. They're second overall in the NFL. So good for them. The Dallas Cowboys, high, highly rated as well. Good for them. It's it's just um, it's tough. Cowboys are twelfth. So but, our, our X mention is powered by Shiba Jewelers, yeah. it's premier jewelry store, and you can always send a message to the show at CLE Talking Heads, like Craig does here, asking, saying, "Did the Vikings make the playoffs? No, they get they get better grades if they were soft on them." Well, if that's of course they had a quarterback with a torn Achilles and a stud wide receiver who was injured. And they unloaded a huge chunk of that defense on top of it because Quasi Adolfo Benson came in and kind of cleaned house. And did a whole bunch of different stuff. They were in the process of a rebuild, hoping for the best. And Jordan Addison seems to be coming along and playing well. If the case came down to nice facilities equal no playoffs, then they would throw a whole bunch of rusty barbells into the shack from Rocky Four, And everybody would hush and you'd get over it because the goal is to make the playoffs and get that sweet, sweet playoff money. Like... (laughs) I don't think A correlates with B the way that you want it to. With all that said, if you want to draw the conclusion that players are extremely pampered, well, they're the investment that ownership makes. I mean, that's the product. Yes, they're pampered. Should they be pampered? Yes, they should be. But players obviously enjoy being pampered. And I guess why wouldn't you? With that thought in mind, it's real clear that Caleb Williams, the USC quarterback, is going to be the number one overall pick in the draft. And after GM spoke yesterday at the Combine, it's real clear that the uh, Bears are looking to move Justin Fields if that opportunity presents itself. That's pretty clear. So Caleb Williams will more than likely be their starting quarterback. If you want pampered, do you have to actually have a resume in the NFL <laughs> or, can, or can you go ahead and just ask for it coming in? Because, Dan, it appears that that's what Caleb Williams' father is doing here. So, Kalen Kaler put out a really good piece on The Athletic all about Caleb Williams and all the different things that are going on with him. Of course, he is looking to pretty much be uh, 1-1. The thing that's interesting about it is Pro Football Talk had a piece a lot earlier on in the year where he said um, his dad has basically taken the the ropes of – negotiating everything for him. And it seems like his dad is the one who is a lot of times in the middle of what's going on. He doesn't have an agent. And his dad is, of course, a good gentleman. He doesn't have an agent. Right. His 
He is a guy by the name of Carl Williams is the name. Now, he's in an interview with GQ earlier. He basically said that the draft process, he he thinks about the draft process the way that I do. So I kind of agree with the guy where he said, quote, the worst possible team, the worst organization in the league because of their desire for parity gets the first overall pick. Yes. Not necessarily true because the Bears made a trade. Jeff. Jeff. Bears weren't good, but let's be honest, they Jeff. didn't they didn't earn the number one pick. They they made a trade for it. Jeff. Well, I'm I'm sorry. I let the fact get in the way of something. Forgive me. Sure. You found congratulations. You found the caveat to the rule. Now let's look at years previous. Well, shall we were we? talking about Caleb Williams in particular. Ask Terry Bradshaw about that. Ask Troy Aikman about that because they'll tell you exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. Well, why did I go there? Because they needed me. Uh huh. And, and, and I had no choice. Right. And, and Eli Manning and Philip Rivers and all of the other different sure. things that have taken place in between there because we had no choice. But it, again, that's another conversation for another day when it comes to the draft. But the big thing that Carl has been doing is he is trying to get around the rookie wage scale somehow because, of course, everything is slotted now. So there's no real negotiations that take place of guys, you know, the, the monster contracts of the past where these rookie quarterbacks were some of the highest paid players in the league is gone. It's Sam all, Bradford was the last guy. Exactly. It's all scaled now. And so one of the things that Carl has been doing as he's been talking to teams has been bringing up ways to get around the rookie scale. One of those being having a partial stake in some of the teams. That's silly. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. That's silly. Uh, good for Carl Williams. You know, if you're slotting salaries, do you really need to give Four percent of it to an agent. You know, I mean, you're—that's you're, my question. You're pretty much going to get what you're going to get. Yeah, you only really and it's need going to be pretty darn good. Yeah, you need an agent for probably marketing or well, um, and you advertising. Can, and you can hire kind of those guys. You don't—you don't really have a need in this situation, I don't think, to flat out give whatever percentage. And I think it's four right now. Four mm-hmm. percent of your contract to an agent to get you the money that the NFL is going to give you anyway. Not to mention he's already been doing it for NIL, so it's not yeah. that much of a, a, yeah. a shift. So that that's interesting. Ownership stake in a team, not happening. A, it's illegal. You're not allowed to do that. And, and B, you've never played a snap in the National Football League and you want to own a piece of the Chicago Bears. Hey, more power to you. You can always... Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Ask. Right. But unless I'm completely mistaken, you know, Tom Brady wasn't allowed to own a part of a team when he played. Do you think we should allow that? No, absolutely not. Okay. Players play. Yeah, I was going to say why. Because they don't own the team. I mean, what? <laughs> I, I hate to no, be I that know, simple it's, about it. They. <laughs> You, you, it was very you, blunt. You left. play football. How, how convoluted would it be if the quarterback owns 5% of the Chicago Bears and all of a sudden he's handing off to a guy who the ownership group has uh, is going to ask for a pay cut or something in the next contract talk? Hey, That's, man, talk, talk to your partners. Let's go. I, I didn't think of that. That's why are you going to cut my pay? That's a real good point. Why are you cutting my pay? This lunch stinks. Get me a better lunch. I mean, you threw three interceptions last game. You can't at least get me lunch. That's why, among other reasons. That I did not think of it through that lens. Thank you. you. That's a that's a good one. Thank you. Jim's I, in Strongsville. Jim. What's happening, Jim? Hey guys, listen, I am not touching Caleb Williams for the twenty foot pole. I I understand everybody and their brother thinks he's the best thing since sliced bread. I saw a guy that regressed in his career. When things were going bad, he looked the worst and sounded the worst, and his body language was the worst. That's not the leader that you want for a team in the NFL. That's just I'm, I see a guy that improvises a lot, holds the ball too long, never throws the ball on time. I'm just I'm not seeing it. Maybe, you know, like look at last year. You look at the draft last year. The kid from Alabama was the same way. His worst year was his last year. The whole undersized thing. I just I think NFL teams fall in love with certain certain traits and they just can't get past it. And this then is dad asking for ownership. Yeah, okay, listen, you're not the Andrew Luck, you're not you're not the best thing you're just not that good. Who are you to ask for ownership and that the NFL would somehow or other there's gotta be a rule somewhere even against that. So there is. I don't want the head I don't want the headache of, I don't want the headache of the dad. And again, guys, maybe I'm wrong. But I don't know. You tell me. When things started going bad at USC last year, did you see a guy that was lifting the team up, or did you see a guy that was sulking? And look, like excuses were everywhere, and you know he was just going with the flow. I don't know if the leader of your franchise could be a dude that just goes with the flow. Yeah, I mean, Jim, you're 100 percent right, and a lot of people have said that on numerous occasions with Caleb Williams. Is like he's a great quarterback, but he's not a leader of a team. And can you be a 
can you be a great quarterback and not be the best leader and have your team turn around and succeed? And I have well, I no even idea. Even the great quarterback point, Dan. Like, I mean, look at the numbers from this year. He had his worst year. Oh he yeah, well, and, and that Jim, that's to. that's scary, Jim. Some of that, yeah, and, and there's they made a whole bunch of excuses. Some of it they pointed to to Cliff Kingsbury's offense. Some of it they pointed to Lincoln Riley. Some of it they pointed to you know there's there's always excuses. Losing Jordan Addison being a part of it too, and you can make a whole bunch of excuses. But you're right, you would watch him sometimes, and you're like, boy, this looks real clunky. And then he would pull something out, and you'd be really impressed. And we're now in this draft cycle. I think Chase Daniel did a really good breakdown on him where he's like, this is the stuff evaluators are looking for. And it was a whole video of Caleb Williams going, okay, my first option is in there. My second option is there. Boom, here's my third option. And doing it so quickly with really, really good graphics so that someone who's dumb like me can understand. Nice. That's true, but he's showing how many examples out of how many plays. Right. I mean, look, exactly. I, I, can go find, I can go find 10 good examples of somebody doing things really well. Without question. There might, be, there might be 150 examples out there when you just fell apart and didn't do it right at all and threw a pick. So, I mean, that's, that's where I kind of come out. At it. I mean, like I said, what do I know? I don't know anything about quarterbacks, but I just don't like the body language alone. All right, Jim. Thank you very much. Yeah. Dave, Dave's in Broadview Heights. Hi, Dave. All right, Dave. Hi, guys. How you doing? Great. Hope we're doing well. I didn't call to talk about Caleb Williams, but I, I'm kind of, I think Jim's spot on with that call. I, I, I would not touch him either. I'd just stay away. But I wanted to talk about the, uh, about the Browns and the grades. Sure. So I thought some people made some good points. One of the things, though, it would be tough for a player to be really, truly honest about an owner, unless you're giving him an A, for fear that maybe that gets back. You know, it's one thing to criticize someone's facilities, but to criticize an owner. And and to see that the Browns didn't do too well in the ownership category, and you know, I, I hold the ownership responsible for things like, you know, the cafeteria or not having a good weight room. I mean, that's on the owner. He's He's been the owner a long time. He's got mm-hmm. enough money. He should have better facilities. But I, I just wanted to roll that into, because I was really interested, and I didn't really hear anyone talk about it, but what Brian Hoyer said, about about in response to the Johnny Manziel situation where Johnny was talking about not getting a lot of help from him. And he said, Hoyer said he had animosity towards Ray Farmer and Jimmy Haslam because they were always trying to push them ahead. All right. And Dave, you know, I'm, kind of, I, I'm, I apologize for what I'm about to say with that whole thing, man, that's ancient history. We're talking about something that happened 15 years ago. I, mean, I know, but it's the same owner who meddles, and that's that's the only year he didn't meddle was COVID when he wasn't allowed to meddle, and then this year, when his when his quarterback, which I believe he's the one who jammed the quarterback down, the coach because he, he he doesn't seem like the coach or the uh, GM's quarterback, and I'm just saying, don't don't count our uh, our, our trophies just yet because I think if we're stuck with this quarterback, we're not going anywhere. Dave, and I thank think you very it's much. All on Jimmy. All right, Dave. Thank you. And we'll see, Dave. I'm I'm sorry to anyone out there who is interested in the, the Johnny Manziel, Brian Hoyer feud that has been going on for 15 years. Uh, hi, my name is Dan Menigan, and I don't care. And, I, and this Dan is and ancient I, history, Dan and I man. talked about this yesterday, and we both felt exactly the same way about it. I I, I don't want to hear anything from Johnny Manziel yep. about his time in Cleveland other than, boy, did I screw it up. Exactly. That's, I had opportunities and I blew them. That's all I want to hear. And all I want to, and, and on the Brian Hoyer side of all of this stuff as well is, hey, I went on and had a great career. I love, you know, I enjoyed my time in Cleveland. It was a little tougher than I would like it to be, but I exactly what he said. I was there to win a starting job. I will help you along the way, but I'm not here to babysit you, which is the subtitle, or, or I shouldn't say subtitle, but the basically cliff notes of what took place in that interview. And 
Brian's awesome. He's been on the show. I would love to have him on again and get his insight of how the league works and how everything operates. It, it, Brian's fantastic, and he's doing a great job in media and that stuff. But yeah, this he, whole thing, he man. He wants a career in it. He'll do well. This whole thing, I just don't care. By the way, number one ranked team all the way around in the Players Association poll, the Miami Dolphins. And Interesting. Just so you know, they didn't receive anything lower than an A-. Interesting. In anything. And only two of those. Congratulations to your Miami Dolphins. So they got that going for them, which is nice. Let's go to the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Chris Rose from the NFL Network, Browns Radio Network, Browns Preseason Television. Are you going to make a pilgrimage to Oxford while you're at the Scouting Combine? Hello, Chris. Uh, hello. No. Ah. Now, well, this is a work trip. This is a work trip, so we're doing work. I thought the Rose Wing of the communications facility there would yeah, be something you'd want to go look at. English journalism, English journalism, not communications. I have tremendous love for the people in that department, but yeah, different one. All right, second question that comes off of this quote-unquote work trip. Did you see Max Drews last night? Well, we were at a uh, we were at a company dinner, and I start getting texts like, you know, holy blankety blank and all sorts of stuff from your brothers like, what is going on here so uh i had to go see it immediately and then i started showing it all around the place you know it was even people who didn't care they're like what why do i care about the Cavs game i was like well you should am you let's go <laughs> uh yeah it was pretty incredible uh it was fun to kind of read about the whole comeback and Struis hitting you know, four threes before that and the whole bit. And yeah, it's been a, it's been pretty awesome for them since the beginning of the year. It's, it's fun. I don't know how well it'll carry into the playoffs, but at least for now, it's pretty cool. Chris Rose joining us. He's at the scouting combine in Indianapolis. Your duties there include what Chris? Well, once the action starts tomorrow and this year, it'll start actually with the defensive linemen. Um, and then the linebackers tomorrow, and then the DBs and tight ends, I believe, on Friday. Then we move to the quarterbacks, running backs, receivers Saturday, and then the big old fellows up front finish it up on Sunday. So, you know, we'll be there covering everything. But once the drills start at 3 o'clock on, on Thursday, we, we go until they end on a given day. Uh, so I'll be on the concourse level with Charles Davis and Peter Schrager and Rich and uh, Daniel Jeremiah are in the booth kind of calling the action. We have people down on the field, as always. Stacey Dales will be here, Jamie Erdahl. So we got it covered. Um, you know, I mean, there's plenty of people that the Browns fans should be paying attention to on each of these days. If you are a Browns fan, Chris, which position groups are you looking at to pay attention to? And if you got a couple names, we'd love to have them. If not, no worries. No, no, no. Well, yeah, I mean, let's start with tomorrow, the defensive line. And we know that we've got a ton of vacancies at this point, right? I mean, what do we have? Five free agents, I think, along the front line. Zedarius, and then basically every defensive tackle. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. This place for the Browns over the last, yeah. you know. So... You know, look at those guys tomorrow. Um, familiarize yourself. Uh, Fisk, the kid out of Florida State who started at Western Michigan, is kind of a big name. He had a really, really good senior bowl. The problem is you don't know how high guys are going to jump on lists, particularly defensive tackles, um, because there's just not an abundance of them, and the drafts haven't been filled with them in recent years. You know, you're going to see this kid, Byron Murphy, from Texas. He's a physical freak. Um, he's going to be the first one most likely off the board, probably somewhere in the middle of the first round. And then it depends how many go after that. You know, whenever there's a start on a position, some people don't want to miss out. And so they might pick the position over, you know, over better players, let's just say. Um, you know, Devondre Sweat, his running mate at Texas, is an enormous human being. So big, he didn't even want to get on the scale at the Senior Bowl. Uh, I imagine he will do that here. I don't think anybody would be shocked if he shows up and he weighs 370 pounds. Um, so those are a couple guys that you want to watch tomorrow. The receivers on Saturday, to me, are kind of the most interesting group because they're so deep. Um, so this kid, Javon Baker, Really interesting. He's like six one and a half. Uh, he's the sort of kid I think that could probably help the Browns. Um, so you know, we'll see. There's going to be a bunch of names that you'll. Here's the thing: find some people that you're really interested. In. You're like, oh my god, and then go back and do a little research on them. Find out how productive they were in college and stuff like that. Chris, I think the the depth of the wide receiver group at the combine is is a real story, but I'm not sure which way it should go. Should it be that the Browns are sitting there in the second round and take the best guy if there's somebody they absolutely love and grab him early? Or do you think that they would be more in a wait-and-see mode and see who might drop to them in the third round if they think they need to do something else in another area? I'd love to see him jump early and get somebody they really love. I don't like the waiting to see what's left. Yeah, the hard thing is... Um is that you can't talk about the draft until after the league year has started because you just don't know how it's going to shake out in free agency, right? You don't know which guys are coming back. You don't know which guys we're going to add. So what looks like a position of need right now, and it starts first and foremost 
me in the middle of the defensive line might not be as big a need when we get to the draft, you know, five weeks later. So uh, I know it sounds like I'm avoiding the question and dodging it a little bit, but I wouldn't, you know, that's, that's how you have to look at it. I mean, they, these two things work hand in hand. Um, And I think that's kind of the fun part of the whole draft process is that you find guys you'll watch this weekend. And I know that people kind of tune in and out, right? So you'll watch a little bit. You'll be like, okay, I watched the receivers for 30 minutes and I wrote down these five names. And now all of a sudden we've signed somebody in free agency and you're like, okay, well, we don't really need that anymore. So that's, that's the fun part of this off season. Chris Rose, NFL Network, joining us on the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Browns are heading back to the Greenbrier next year. What do you think of that? Yeah. Awesome. Good for that. I mean, that's, by the way, don't sleep on the fact, like, that's a major financial investment by ownership. Like, I will say this. That's, they obviously felt like they got a lot out of it last year. Um, and I would imagine that, that the – team bonding and everything else that happened there uh, probably really helped this team as it was going through injury after injury at main positions. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't think you could exactly pinpoint that, but I imagine it didn't hurt to so go back there, go do exactly the same thing. Go have a good week of practice, come back, get ready to face the Vikings and some, Joint practices, which I think are really, really beneficial to teams. I don't know what the Vikings are going to look like, but I think it's a good idea. Chris Rose is joining us. Caleb Williams, number one pick. You're trading him. You're trading Justin Fields. Bears have been very active, you know, with the trade they made last year, Chris, and now sitting there. I think it's a really interesting decision. Could it blow up on them one way or the other? I, I like Justin Fields, but Caleb Williams is supposed to be an, a no-brain, can't-miss quarterback prospect. How do you handle that? I think you trade Justin Fields. I mean, I think it's actually pretty simple, to be honest with you, here. You don't um, – no team has ever traded the first overall pick in consecutive years. In fact, it's only happened, I think, twice before in the history of the common draft since the late 60s. Um, and it's never been the same team that's done it. Now, last year, they got a haul. Uh, you could make the argument if they had stuck and taken C.J. Stroud, they would be in a much better position as an organization. I think that Justin Fields has shown improvement. Um, but Caleb Williams is a pretty special player. I think he's really, really, really good. And I don't think that you pass on that and you reset your quarterback uh, financial time clock by three years, which is a big deal. And you have to keep in mind, it's not just the number one pick. They have number nine as well. So they have the ability to, once they, because there's going to be at least two other quarterbacks taken before the ninth pick and quite possibly three, right? You could have four of the top eight picks be quarterbacks and nobody would be shocked here. So the Bears could then come back at nine and get an elite, elite player, whether that's on their offensive line or the best edge rusher in the draft or somewhere else where they need to improve. 
Um, and then you get whatever you get for Justin Fields. Right now, Chris, it's looking like we're going to end up with quarterbacks going possibly one, two, three. It's is what it seems mm-hmm. like. And of course, it's combine season and all this stuff evolves six times over. Do you think that's how the draft is going to fall? That we will have quarterbacks going one, two, three? I think so. I, I don't think that New England can afford to to pass on a quarterback. The early indications, based on who you you know, when you're hearing right from all the people that are doing the scouting for 2025, is that the, that quarterback class will not be anything close to this one. And so it's not like you could say, okay, well, we'll we'll catch the next Uber. Like, no, I don't think that's it. I think if you're New England and you're coming off 25 years of success with Belichick and Brady and now you have to reshape your thinking, I think this is the time to do it, particularly when there's a guy, whether it's going to be Drake May or Jaden Daniels, that's available at three that most people feel like can get it done. Now, interestingly, if you want to be history buffs here, this would be the fourth time where quarterbacks went one, two, three. Out of those previous nine quarterbacks, none of them are Hall of Famers, and most of them are not what you would call elitish or even relatively good. Most. There's a handful, right? It happened in 71 was Plunkett, Archie Manning, Pastorini. That was probably the best triumvirate. 99, we know it happened with Tim Couch, Donovan McNabb, Achilles Smith. And then it happened in 2021, right? So it, you know, those two, those guys are too young to judge still, but Zach Wilson and Trey Lance are, and Lance is already on a second team. Zach Wilson's about to be. And Trevor Lawrence is off to a solid start in his career. But it's just kind of interesting how that stuff unfolded. That's uh, that's really true. We heard Andrew Barry yesterday, Chris, and I, I thought he had some interesting things to say about Nick Chubb. How how much of a balancing act is this going to be for the Browns to do what we think is right for one of the best players, I think, in franchise history, yet right for the Browns while you have a guy who's injured and you're, you're so – unknown about what his you know future might be as far as the ability to play based on his knee injury. I, I think they're in a tough spot. Well, fans are entitled to whatever opinions they want. And, I, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find a Browns fan who's like, yeah, Nick Chubb's been okay. Like, he has been elite with everything he's done. Yep. On the field, how he handles himself, he just – he seems to mirror what we're all about as Clevelanders. But the one thing we don't know as a fan base is how healthy he is. We can't, you know, he had two separate surgeries on a knee that had to be reconstructed. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.
in college. We just don't know the most important detail, which is how close to Nick Chubb can he get? Like, we expect him to be this superhero, and maybe he will be, but there's the possibility that he's not. And so how do you balance that with what you need to pay him, right? I mean, he's not going to come back with a $16 million cap hit next year. We know that. So then the question is, how much massaging of that number is he willing to do in order to stay here? And this is his livelihood. You know, for us, it's a rooting interest. For him, it's how he sets himself up for the future. And so he needs to uh, make sure that he's taken care of to the best of his abilities while also understanding that there is a risk that the team would be taking as well. And so it's, I think it's a lot more difficult than just, hey, let's bring back one of the best players in franchise history. I think there's a lot more to it. Chris Rose, the uh, of course, going to be on NFL Network all over the Combine coverage with Charles Davis, Daniel Jeremiah, and everyone else who is a part of it all weekend long. You'll be able to see him on TV as they uh introducing and helping all along the way. Though he's also a part of the Rose rotation, which I, I got to well, get a baseball. He's the Rose part of the Rose rotation. No, I think. Yes, uh, that would be true. Yeah. You are the Rose, but also a part of said thing. But anyhow, that's schematics. Chris, do you have any Shane Bieber expectations this year? whatsoever because we're starting to see a couple pieces popping up going hey went to driveline lost these up curveballs looking better do you have any expectation for Bieber yeah I expect he'll get traded there it is that's my expectation I I think he'll get traded I think this is um and and by the way I'm not against that I'm not against it I I just um I love Shane Bieber. I love what he's turned into. But, I, you know, this is kind of the MO of the team, right? I mean, we don't – when was the last time we signed a pitcher to a lengthy contract early in his career? It's, it's been a while, right? We just don't – We don't. It's, I think Kluber probably it feels like. Isn't that accurate? Maybe yeah, and, and, and he actually – you know, it wasn't as early as you would do with a position player. Right. Right. I think that that's what they're going to have to start doing with things. I know I'm kind of getting off the beaten path a little bit, but you're good, dude. You know, if you see anything that you like out of a guy like Gavin Williams uh, or Tanner Bybee early on, I know it's so risky with pitchers because at some point they're going to blow out. Um, But you know, I, I do think we have to kind of follow suit a little bit with what the Atlanta Braves have done so well. You know, they've they've done it mostly with their position players, but they did it with Spencer Strider. You know, he was just a couple months into a career, and that dude's a stud. So, but back to Bieber, um, I do have expectations for him. I, I I think it's great that he went back to kind of reinvent himself and. He did it wisely. Here he is in his late 20s, and he's about to be a free agent, and he should want to do that. And hopefully we're the beneficiaries of a really, really good performance early, and hopefully the team surprises everyone, including myself, a little bit more, and we don't have to trade him. But I I think that's the way it might lean. Chris, I, I know they're probably not quite ready yet, but I look at John Kenzie Noel and I look at Jonathan Rodriguez 
And I see Kyle Manzardo coming up with some hits, and then Chase DeLauder hits a home run. And I think, how close are they to having some impact players coming up through the system who can actually hit the baseball? You, you expect any of those guys to start the season with the big club? Well, I don't think that. I mean, Manzardo's the obvious one, right. right? And I think that my guess is because of the service time that they'll hold him down. Uh, I hate it. I, I, it drives me nuts. Once again, if you think that he can play, put the best guys out there. The fans deserve it. Uh, I understand the year of service time is really important, particularly to a franchise like ours. But like I said, I, I really think that we have to start thinking more along the lines of the Atlanta Braves. And that's with obviously not knowing exactly what transpires behind the scenes uh, financially and in those meetings. So I, I don't have any insight there whatsoever. But I love the Braves model. I love it. I think that they have done an outstanding job and it's they put together this amazing amazing team obviously their payroll is significantly higher than ours uh but the philosophy i think is something that you can try and duplicate and manzardo is a guy um that i think could fall into that range i really do have fun at the combine buddy we'll be watching go get him certainly will Chris Rose. Thanks, dude. Talk soon. NFL Network joining us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Could it possibly be, and I don't expect it at the beginning of the season, that this team isn't too far away, our baseball team, from actually having some power hitters, some guys who might scare the opposition in the lineup? I know. And that was definitely needed uh, some dramatic impact there. So, yes, good. They might be getting close, Dan. Maybe. I'll be real blunt. I sure as hell hope so. I am so tired of watching death by a thousand paper cuts. And especially with today's pitching, you can't death by a thousand paper cuts. It's just too good. Especially the way that these things are going. Like You've got to be able to make pitchers pay, not by sharply hitting a single to the left fielder when they make a mistake. Or if you maybe play your cards right, hitting it up to the wall on a double, on a line drive. It's like, no, you need to make mistakes go over the fence. Like, we can't, you can't have an offense built around Jose Ramirez hitting home runs and everybody else attempting to hit sharp line drives everywhere. Like, let's start hitting the ball in the air here, kids. Let's start getting this other, this other facet that is important to success you know, we've we've seen enough of these teams find success by hitting the ball in the air, and this team needs to become another one. So, yes, I want to see Carl Manzardo hit the ball in the air and hit the ball hard. Uh, the kid yesterday who hit the home run that Chased I – Chased the lotter. Thank you. That I, I don't think that ball has landed yet. I'm 99% sure that that's currently in orbit. Had kind of a three-quarter swing on it, too. Right. I think that baseball will be found by the lunar module that just landed the other day. That thing was smoked. He's a guy who was a first-round draft choice 2022. Yeah, I think it was 2022. Might have been 21. Who last year worked his way up to double-A and played in only about six games for the Akron Rubber Ducks. So though he's a real intriguing guy and he's the highest-rated player on the Indians prospect list, according to MLB.com's top 100 prospects, don't expect him to be here. He's 6'4", 235, hits for some power. That's not necessarily the biggest part of his game, 
But at 6'4", 235, you know the power's there. Mm-hmm. And it, it'll come. He's a left-handed thrower, a left-handed hitter. And sooner rather than later, he will be the starting right fielder for this team. Agreed. And if anything, depending mm-hmm. on how a lot of that looks, he may be the starting center fielder of this team, and we're looking at him going, you know, maybe you should find your way somewhere else, but I want your bat in the lineup. Well, it's at some point, if it goes really well, I'd be – the, the guy barely played in double A. Correct. And very rarely with high prospects do you skip a level. And if if you put him in triple A to start the season, I would think, Dan, that's skipping a level. Since you only played six games in Akron last year, I would think that you do with him what the Guardians have done with so many guys. And I think it's a great way to do it. All right, go back to double A. You just, you know, you know where the locker room is there. It worked out great. You know how to get to Canal Park. Terrific. So go there, June, going well, boom, you're up in, in AAA. And if, you, if you're hitting in AAA, you can get a call up real quickly. Mm-hmm. And, and keep in mind, if AA is oftentimes, I think, the separator for, for baseball players, and especially when you're playing in the Eastern League, which is not a great hitter's league. If you can hit in the Eastern League, you can pretty much hit. And so I would think if he has a, a good start, in double A and then gets up to triple A, we could see him maybe by the end of the year. The one thing about it, you hear other teams bringing up their young guys and you, you see 21, 22 year old guys who are hot prospects who teams think are ready and they bring them up and they play them. And I, I think our organization is a little more patient than most Maybe some of it's financially and you want to hold a guy back like Kyle Manzardo if that happens or whatever. But I, I think between Noel, John Kenzie Noel, who is 21 years old, uh, excuse me, 23 years old. He'll be 23 this summer. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Rodriguez, who's a little older than that. I, I would think you'll want to get a look at some of these guys. And, and forgive me, I, I'm just bringing this up because it's the most recent example. <laughs> When they brought up Oscar Gonzalez, finally, Oscar hit. What happened after that? You know, last year was a mess. Blame Oscar, blame the team, blame everybody. But I, I want to see one of these guys up here, and, and I want to see a big bat in the lineup, Dan. But I, I don't know that any of them is ready to go right now. Maybe Manzardo. They need someone who can make you pay for making a mistake. And whether that becomes Kyle Manzardo or – I mean, I'm I'm gonna go a little off the beaten path on you, going away from what the organization has done. Cost three to five million at Adam Duvall, three to five mil at Tommy Pham. Like I know Tommy Pham's not known for being a huge power hitter, but you got a couple outfielders who are out there who can aid you along the way. Or even if you're if we're really this concerned about, you know, oh it's it's cold in April, it's hard to hit in April. You know, if that's the line we're gonna go with, well then go get a proven veteran who's hit in April and knows what April is and bring them in here for the early part of the season to see if it'll work. Because if you're going to try to trot out what they did last year, you had one year where everything fell perfectly into place in 2020. Everything hit. Everything was great. You got the hits at the right time. And frankly, a good chunk of it probably fell into luck. 2023, if you want to say then it was unlucky, if you want to say regress to the mean, if you want to point to all that kind of stuff, fine. 
but the philosophy that you had hitting-wise bit you square in the rear end. So you need to change something. And I think that's by bringing in someone who could hit the ball hard. All right, let me, let me throw something at you. And I'll just, I'll just mention him by name, Jonathan Rodriguez. And he's got a good arm. He can play right field for you. He's 24 years old right now. Or, yeah, he's 24 right now. He'll be 25 in November. So you're 24. You don't have major league experience at all. And last year, between Akron and Columbus, you hit 29 home runs with 88 runs batted in. A respectable 286, in fact, more than respectable in this day and age, but you struck out a lot. He's 24. Don't, you, don't you give a guy like that a look? I'd love to. I mean, I, I don't I don't think – what more does the guy have to prove? He's got some holes in his swing, which well, is what sure, it's showing. But, but, you know, those holes also can translate into home runs. A lot of major leaguers have holes in their swings. Correct. And that's – that's the thing to me. The guy's hit for power everywhere he's been throughout the organization. He hit 26 home runs in 2022 between Lake County and Akron. And it, it, at some point, at some point, don't you have to give a guy a chance and, and just, and, and not just the guy, give a power hitter in your organization a chance to show that he can help you. Yes. And if he can't, then get him out of here. Yes. But, which apparently they've done with Oscar Gonzalez. They don't think Oscar can can do the job but well but then you laugh though but but here's my here's my my fear if you want to know the truth oscar gonzalez wasn't even thought of very much when he came up and we just started our campaign why is this guy in the minors well it wasn't too much longer after that that he came up he had hit 30 home runs in the minor leagues the year before the guy showed he had power he came up here and he was actually pretty good first year yeah Jonathan Rodriguez has shown he's got power. He's 24. What, what are you waiting for? And if he can't play, we'll get him out. Send, send him to Japan. Find the next one. Yes. You've got a few of I But you've got to take a look. I'm with you. And they seem to be bent on the idea that we are going to take a look at a chunk of these guys who are on the cusp. The question I have, and it's the question that I always have, is, okay, you have an automatic out at cash. Well, maybe not as much now that Bo Naylor is there. That's the, I can't call that an automatic out the way that I did initially. But center field, if you're you, going to run you Miles hope. Straw out there. And supposedly Miles is better conditioned and stronger and everything else, and we'll see. Let's see. I hope. I, I Hope is all I have right now. Hope is a good thing. Hope is the best of things. Okay. No good thing ever dies. All right? But, like, Shawshank. It, it's – that's an automatic out if what I've seen in the past is dictates the future. That's, That's two automatic, automatic outs out. in your lineup almost. Well, I, exactly. I, I think Bo Naylor is really good. I hope Bo Naylor catches or at least finds himself in the order for 130 to 140 games this season. That would be outstanding Agreed. if they could run into that and could could make that work. And you don't know what you're going to have at shortstop. Right field is coin flip. I have no idea what right field is going to be. You could sell me the Will Brennan thing until you're blue in the face. I'm not buying it until I 100% see it consistently. You've stolen Andy's line, blue in the face. Really? Mm-hmm. That's his. I think I've used that way before I met Andy. But I, that's, I don't believe you did. Not beside the point. Shortstop is another one. If don't, it, you don't know what you're going to get there. I don't know what I'm going to get there. But I know at, at least history proves that center field is going to be an automatic out. Right field is question mark. That's below league average. We could say that with certainty. And shortstop is a coin flip. So if you've got first, second, third, left. 
That's four out of nine spots, Dan. And that's not the recipe for success that I want it to be. That's correct. And that I need it to be. And, and, and some, if you have to, if you have to play musical, big guy, power hitting prospects, hey, Rodriguez just got forty at bats. It didn't work. Boom, you're down. Right. Kenzie Noel, come on up. Can you do it? You got you got a chance. Manzardo, I think, will get here, and once he's here, I think he'll be here. Mm-hmm. And, and I expect that. And if they if they hold him out, then they hold him out, and that's just the way that's going to be. I think once he's up, he's here to stay. At which point, is he your first baseman? Is he your DH? You know, do you like him better at first than Josh Naylor? They'll have to figure that out. Do you want to rotate those two guys? Whatever. Too bad one of them doesn't play the outfield. I know Josh did. I don't think you want to. Put I don't him back think out you want there. to put him back out there. No, I don't. If either. you can help it, I don't either. And I think hopefully helps on the way. And in that help, it's either a free agent or it's a trade. Because I agree. or somebody comes up and pops. John Rom. Congratulations. John Rom, one of my favorite my favorite golfers on the planet. I like his swing, even though he takes the club back about three quarters and that's it, but he absolutely hammers it and he's terrific. And early on in the whole live golf thing, he was one of the big proponents of the PGA tour. And he thought Basically, to, to sum it up, paraphrase it, it was, hey, my best way for my legacy and everything else and to accomplish what I want to accomplish in golf is to be on the PGA Tour. That's what he, that's what he said. But he changed his mind, and he ended up jumping to live golf. And, of course, live is paying guys like crazy to jump to live golf. And Rom is... One of the key guys, you know, when they, when they got Rom to come over, it was a big thing for Liv. He did an interview with ESPN, and he, he had a couple of top ten finishes in the opening two tournaments on, on Liv this year. One's in, one was in Mexico, one was in Vegas. And so he talked about the switch to Liv. And here's, ladies and gentlemen, here's the honest man. He said, I don't want to skip through this point because there's no point there's just a big change in the way that golfers are getting compensated. And I'd be lying if it wasn't a big part of it in a nutshell. I'm going to get paid more to play the same sport and have more time. I don't know about most people, but that sounds good to me. (laughs) It's the dream that all of us want. Hey, do your job. We'll pay you more. Do less of your job. And have you do it less. And, and we'll give you more money. And here's a massive check. I look. I was against Live. I am still against. I'm Liv. still against the Live Tour. I, I I'm a traditionalist. I love the PGA Tour. I, I think too. it's cool. I do too. I like the four days. I like Thursday to Sunday golf. I like the cut lines. I like all of the different things that come with it. I was locked in for Riviera. I. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't watch the Mexican Open because I watched. I saw the field and went, "Oh, this is a corn fairy event with Tony Finau in it. That's nice. I'm I'm done." Um, wow. But like, hats off to you for it. And especially at this point, we haven't heard anything of the like massive fear, which is you know all of a sudden at three o'clock in the morning, a sheik is going to call you asking to help his nephew chip better, which was the <laughs> the fear that everybody had when it came to taking the money from the Saudis. They actually, really. Um- and, and those were the nice things that they feared. Yeah. So, it, to our knowledge, that hasn't happened yet. But I get it. I think we'd all do it. I think if somebody came to us and said, hey, the money's going to come from a real shaky spot. 
but it's green. You're going to do less work, and you're going to play less golf, not per week, but overall. Mm-hmm. Then add in the fact that you're not playing Thursday to Sunday. You're playing Friday to Sunday. You get to wear shorts. It's a team event, so you, even if you, <laughs> you get to wear shorts. That means a lot for me. It does, it, actually. It really does. I'm a happier great person. Legs. I'm a happier person in shorts. They're on display but, all the time. But, like, you get to, you get to wear shorts. You're going to be in these team events where even if you have an awful day where you can't get a putt to drop to save your life, somebody else on your team may have a wonderful day, and that may get you more money. <laughs> like, he, Rom continued here, and again, he was asked, why did he change his mind? And he said, well, certain circumstances changed. In other words, dollars kept flowing. and Yeah, zeros and, and, kept getting added to that and, check. And some of the talk, you know, that the, – they kind of have banded together on some certain things. And he said, they've agreed to this framework to work together in the future. So that kind of appealed to him. And then he said, and this one's fun. It opened my mind to being a little closed minded towards this. And maybe I should give myself a chance as an athlete and an entertainer. I think I owe to myself to see the other side out. Well, and you know, they are entertainers. You know, the number zero on the end of numbers does open it up a little bit more. I think my concern biggest was a little bit of the negative media backlash. The way I see it, if you want to say, let's say, improve your position, I think you're free to go to job interviews. I have the right to do what I think is best for myself and my family. Period. I've said it before. Father, husband, I have a duty. Set myself up family-wise as best as possible. When I watch Liv, and I've not watched a ton, I feel like I'm watching the Harlem Globetrotters because and that's, that's on me. It's not on live. That's on me. It's, it's just the way I feel about it. It's like, okay, this doesn't count, but it's wildly entertaining, but I, I just get the feel, all right, this doesn't count. They're playing golf for real on the PGA tour. These guys are just out playing golf for money and trying to entertain folks and having nice little team names. And that's, that's, that's me. That, that, I'm wrong on that. Well, but, but it's kind of marketed that way when you have the music blaring in the background and you have the graphics going on on the side of it telling you what all these different teams are doing at any given point, teams that you have hardly any idea who is on, teams that you really don't care about. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, I don't know how many lifelong Yard Goat fans there are out there, but there are very few. Love or Range Goat. Goats. Sorry, Range Goat, not love, Yard Goat. Love the Range Goats. Like, that's, that's part of it is you're – you're basically having to buy into this stuff. You have music playing in the background. Like it's, it kind of feels like we're at the charity golf scramble. Well, it feels like the Globetrotters to me. And you're waiting for wildly entertaining. You're waiting for John Rahm to hit the furthest drive and then crush a beer and throw it on the ground. Like it kind of has that vibe to it. A little bit. Slater is a golf coach and Slater's in Hinkley, home of the buzzards. All right, Slater. Hey, how are you guys? Good, Slater. Uh, I think uh, where a lot of the live versus PGA got, like the, the, the divisiveness came from the guys just that jumped to live, they just weren't honest about it, right? They were like, oh, I'm doing it to grow the game. Well, okay, you're shortening your time playing. You're playing in less events. How exactly is that growing the game, right? Uh, you know, uh, Harold Varner III, 
who actually has a connection to Ray Powell, or, I'm sorry, Renee Powell of uh, East Canton, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Akron native. Um, Barner was born yeah. in Akron. Exactly. Uh, he was one of the first ones that said, yeah, I did it for the money. Yeah. I have a lot of charities that I work for. And yeah, of course, if someone throws $200 million at you, you know, most people are at the very least going to think about it. I'm in, Slater. Right. I'm in. Right. So, um, you know, I've, I've, I just want the divisiveness to end. You know, at the beginning it was, you know, Brooks Kepka, Ian Poulter, guys that I didn't really care about and I thought were uh, maybe a little over-personalitied, uh, you know, in, when it comes to the, the public. Um, but, yeah, and they're working out a deal. You know, I, I, I'm all golf all the time, so. Yeah, I think, what do you think, by the Masters, we'll probably hear about it? That'd be my guess. Well, I think with the Joaquin Neiman addition to the Masters, uh, you know, because that, that, I mean, you know, Masters is invite only, basically. Right. And them inviting him, who, you know, they're, that's, that's a big invite. So, you know, I, I think, one, a lot of people just want to get it over with. You know, Roy McIlroy has changed a lot of his uh, language towards uh, live golf. Um, you know, at the Tiger still, you know, John Rahm hasn't heard from Tiger since John jumped to live. So, you know, it's – and, you know, his position in it is, you know, he's, you know, a player rep and things like that. So he's got to, you know, kind of walk a, a tight line. But, yeah, I mean, you know, that, that Mexico Open, I think – I mean, I love that, that tournament. But, you know, if there were some more bigger names in that tournament, you know, it, you just have more viewers on every weekend instead of, you know, just a couple weekends here and there. Yeah, you the elevated. Slater, thank you. Yeah, the elevated event thing is hap, is helping. I mean, it was the the California swing was awesome. The Florida swing coming up when you get to the Arnold Palmer and you get to the players and all that stuff are going to be great watches for anybody who enjoys golf out there. The elevated events have helped. But yeah, you start getting some of these Mexico opens and that stuff, and it's like, oh, this is this isn't a field I'm dying to tune into. Oh, Puerto Vallarta is quite pretty. So I've heard. Mm-hmm. So I've heard. Last guy to coach five seasons here was Bill Belichick. Whoa, are you serious? Yes. Oh my goodness. So it hasn't happened since the years turned to twos. Like I believe it when you say it, but hearing it out loud hurts. You ready? Only. Guys to coach five seasons in franchise history. Only four of them. Bill Belichick, Sam Ritigliano, Blanton Collier, and Paul Brown. Kevin will join that group coming up if he finishes this next season as head coach of the Browns. You you were more stunned? The Browns went what this year? 11 and 6. If they go 11 and 6 again, this coming season, you should sit. I know you never sit during the shows. You should sit. If they go 11-6 and six again, Kevin will have the third most wins of any coach in Cleveland Browns history. Wow. Third? Behind Paul Brown and Blanton Collier. Jiminy Christmas. Right now, he's fifth. Paul Brown, Blanton Collier, Sam Ritigliano, Marty Schottenheimer. And if he goes eleven and six this year, he'll pass wow. Sam and Marty. Wow! Isn't that unbelievable? That is unbelievable. I, I couldn't believe it when I looked it up. I couldn't believe it. Wow. Winning, winning percentage might be a better indication, maybe, if you're a good coach or not. Yeah, just maybe. because of lack of games. He's and... sixth. I do it. He's sixth right now. I do it. Paul Brown, Blanton Collier, Greg Williams. 
Marty Schottenheimer and Nick Scorich. I'm telling you, I was I was pushing for Greg to get that gig. Nobody wanted him. Anyhow, nope, still don't. Greg has the third best winning percentage no offense, in Greg. Browns history. Greg, congratulations if you're listening. I miss you. And longevity? He's already sixth in games coached by a Cleveland Browns head coach. Good golly. Behind Paul Brown, Blanton Collier, Sam, Bill Belichick, and Marty Schottenheimer. Now, granted, and, more games in a season now I, than before. I know, but still. But still like, yeah. If he coaches all 17 games next year, he'll move to fourth place on the most games coached by a Cleveland Browns coach ever. And, and we all know it's Paul Brown and Blanton Collier. So after that, I mean, he's moved right up there with Bill and Marty and Sam Ritigliano. Wow. I mean, That's so to hear all out. Just in team history. He's already way up there. And if he just if he just goes through this next season and let's say they win eleven and he coaches all seventeen games, he's the third most wins in team history. That's stunning to me. Mm-hmm. I, I it was stunning. I it all makes sense when you say it. the guy the guy has been a really good head coach. He's done a really good job with these teams. He has really steered into some seriously choppy waters on numerous occasions. I mean, it. some of them his own doing as he learned on the job, some of them things that are existential that he couldn't control. I know there are plays that a lot of you will point to and play calls that a lot of people will point to and will have a problem with because you play Madden and you would do it differently. I know there are times you would like a timeout. I know we have Nick Chubb questions. I, I know. I get all of it. I hear all of it. The guy's a damn good coach. He does a really good job. His team is always in a position to succeed. He rarely gets blown out. He is, They are usually one of the more disciplined teams in the league on top of that. I think he's had and a learning curve, what they though. Say. Yes. I mean, he's had to grow into the job, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yes. That's it, what I think has led to a lot of the impatience of a lot of Browns fans. And a lot of the – and I hear it – I heard it more so in the past, Dan. A lot of the negative thinking about Kevin as a coach. He's a young guy. He's just learning to do this. You've got to give a guy a chance to get better at a job. It's like Stephen Vogt. Is Stephen Vogt going to walk in the door and be a great manager for the Guardians? Well, by God, if he is, congratulations. I'm not expecting that. He's got to learn a little bit. And exactly. I think Kevin has. But I, in, in trying to put some historical perspective on this and where he is, it makes me think, Dan, that yes, he's underappreciated here. And I think if he were to be on the open market, if the Browns had let him go, he'd have filled one of the jobs that's open, that was open in the NFL. Oh, God, yeah. If we played Stefanski or right now, you would be shocked at where he would sit. Now, some of that would also have to do with how we look at coaches in the NFL right now, which is, you know, you either have one of the five guys that are completely untouchable or your fan base wants to can them. Well, and some of those fan bases want to can one of the five untouchable guys, but that's another argument for another day. Browns fans, can you think of Kevin Stefanski in the same breath as, I won't go Paul Brown and and Blanton Collier, but I will say with Marty Schottenheimer and with Sam Ritigliano and with Bill Belichick when he was here, can you put Kevin there? Because I think he is. I think he's right there. Easily the best coach since 99. That's Easily, true. That's not even a hesitation. Although I've, I thought Romeo was a little underrated, but 
didn't last and didn't win big. I think he can. And more than anything, it tells you how poorly this franchise was run for the 20 years before he showed up. But also just the way that things have gone with the franchise since then. Like, of course, the modern coaches are always going to have an advantage over previous coaches when it comes to wins and that kind of stuff because they play more games. So more opportunities equals more wins. That's just common sense. But, like, the way he has evolved this team when he's needed to. I love more than anything the fact that the guy at the end of every season has gone, okay, here's what worked, here's what didn't, how do we make changes? How do we make it so that everything works? After 2022, he went, this defense isn't going to work. Joe, love you. It's been a ride. You will always be a friend. You will always be someone I trust, but I got to get somebody else in here. And he went and got a proven defensive coordinator with a head coaching background that a lot of other people would have looked at and been like, oh my God, that's my coach in waiting if something goes wrong. But Kevin Spence was like, no, this is the best guy for the job that always gives me fits. That's the guy I want. And he's now done the same thing with the offense. We'll see how it pans out. Yeah, it's a big it's a big move. But he looked and said, hey, what we did with Deshaun Watson here is not working. This offense isn't working. It's not clicking. It's clunky. We need to evolve it. Well, and, Let's and bring he some fresh thoughts in. He doesn't look like what we think he should look like. Right. I, I personally think Alex Van Pelt got a raw deal. I do too. But that's the way it works in the National Football League. Assistant coaches get changed. Sometimes they move on their own. Sometimes they get moved. And and that's just the way it works. And you know, he immediately walks into probably a better opportunity for himself in New England where he's going to be calling plays and really kind of getting a chance to become the offensive coordinator that he really wants to be. Absolutely. And maybe it is an opportunity for Alex Van Pelt to do that. I, I think Kevin Fancy's done a great job. I really have. And I know, again, after every game, we will always get a field of phone call saying, fire the head coach. And I'll be the first to say, frankly, I, I think a lot of that is our fault for pushing that narrative. And maybe not this show in specifically, but maybe media in general. That when something goes wrong, the first thing you do is fire the coach because you can't fire the players. I think we all need to take a deep breath on a lot of that and realize that some of it comes down to flat-out execution of the guys on the field and start holding the people accountable who should be held accountable, not just fire the coach anytime something goes wrong. And yes, you can link everything back to coaching on the face of this earth. If, if, if we try hard enough, we can link anything that happens on a football field back to coaching and then blame him for the problem at hand. But that's not the case. That's not how this works. That's giving a pass to the people who truly should be held accountable for what takes place. Over the last several months, I've heard from more than a few folks just in passing saying stuff to me that, you know what, I, I, I think I was wrong about that guy. And you know what, I think he can really coach. And I think what it took was having all of the injured quarterbacks and then making it work. Press conference, of course, brought to you by Nissan and North Olmstead, I-9 and Nissan and Sheffield Village. Shop online, bignissan.com. We are awaiting Kevin Stefanski to be speaking live from the podium at the Combine. So the minute that he starts talking, we will have it for you right here on your home of the Browns 92.3. So turn that frown upside down, Browns players. Outstanding. Next year's thing, give them a better grade. Sorely needed. Again, they were using the inside of the indoor practice facility, which is only which half is, a yeah, field. It's only like 60 yards, so it's not 100 yards anyway. Right, as a weight room. So that plays into it, and that had been going on for a little while. So thank goodness they're building a new weight room. Ken Dorsey, 
group effort, collaborate on the offense and building the offense, and couldn't have more nice things to say about Alex Van Pelt, who got canned. I mean, when you guys finally come to your senses and can me, you'll probably say the same things, at least in public. Probably. Mm-hmm. Public. See? See, Kate, those key words, Mm -hmm. at least in public. I I do think it's we we just know the way it works in football, in in pro sports. It's as Kevin said, it's a tough business and you have to make tough decisions. And he thinks so highly of Alex and blah, 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 blah. And I don't mean to yada, yada, yada that, but you you know what I mean? So if it it worked so well, it's such a great guy. And you went 11 and six with five starting quarterbacks. We all know what the problem was, but it's like, well, maybe maybe the problem's not the coaching. Maybe the problem's the quarterback. Uh, and you just maybe you and with that in mind, Dan, you've got to get another voice for the quarterback to hear, and maybe it works better. I I don't know. And it, I'm paying the coach a fraction. Uh huh. <laughs> a fraction is the right word. I was going to say far far less than what I'm paying the quarterback, and I give them some level of credit for organizationally because I don't know who was the one that decided to you know hit the eject button on this but to basically go okay something needs to change something needs to evolve we need fresh ideas we need fresh thoughts because the one thing with that offensive staff is that they really weren't bringing in a whole lot of fresh ideas and fresh thoughts it was continuity was the key I think they had the same people in that building I think for the last four years outside of Drew Petzik going to um, Arizona Arizona and so it had been the similar thought process that had taken place inside of there and the similar ideas and the similar concepts. And so with this, I thought it was really interesting that somebody asked him about shifting and pre-snap motion and all that kind of stuff. The Browns were not known for shifting and pre-snap motion and easy tells and that stuff. And he's saying that we are going to bring that in, but we are going to shift in motion with a purpose, which I know Kevin Stefanski has said in the past. But that's an element that was not in this offense. It's an element that sounds like they are going to bring to it to help Deshaun Watson give him easy reads by moving someone to see if the defense moves with it to determine if it's man or zone and possibly what kind of zone. You know, So at least they saw a weakness and are deciding to try to fix that weakness. And one thing that I've, I've always thought, Dan, and it's not always the case, but I've always thought when you change some things around, it's not a sign to me of, well, the head coach hasn't had it right. Right. It's a, we're trying to continually get better. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a, I think that's a real fine line. And, and that's the fine line that you have, I think, with Alex Van Pelt and with Ken Dorsey. Now, what is Ken Dorsey a better offensive coordinator than Alex Van Pelt? I don't know. Uh. Might he be better in this situation? I don't know. Uh. I don't know that either. But we're going. We're going to find out. And they just thought it was time to perhaps to make it better. We have to change it up a little bit. Exactly. And I, and I think that's. I think that. I think that's understandable in, in coaching. Players, there are players need different voices. Sometimes they need different thought processes. They need different outlooks. There are a couple things that always come with the NFL when you have a successful offense. If your offense is successful, people want to hire your offense. People want to hire people who. Who worked. Do something it similar. Yep. And they want to bring that there. So you run into brain drain. you know. And by that, I mean, if so many of those guys that you collaborated with are no longer there to collaborate, you possibly could be in a position where you're looking around with a whole bunch of new guys who are running similar ideas and going, oh, this has gotten stale. 
And I don't know if the Browns had run into that situation because it almost felt like they went the other direction, which is like we had everybody stay here for so long that it's now become stale. And the ideas are being recycled and we're not bringing in anything new. And so I, and again, I'm just throwing a hypothesis out there. I don't know if this is the case. I'm not in that building. I'm not sitting in those meetings. So I think that's what it is. And I give him credit for addressing it. And frankly, Deshaun Watson looked kind of crummy through a good chunk of last year outside of a couple magical moments, but it looked clunky. It looked out of place. It looked square peg round hole. At times, he also went four and one as a starting quarterback. Jeff, do we have to do this? (laughs) Come on. Look great against Baltimore. It was coming around. Exactly. Now that I'll give you. Arizona, they lit up. It looked good there. But come on now. I mean, that defense was all world. That defense was awesome. At times it was. You could have no question about it. You could have stuck any slightly above average quarterback with that defense and fireworks would have taken place. And if Kevin Stefanski said about Jim Schwartz, Jim and I share a vision about the defense and I trust him to implement it. If he and Kevin Ken Dorsey share a vision about the offense and he trusts Ken to implement it, perhaps he'll trust him to call plays. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.